thank you for having me back again. It's nice to see Hey! Oh, now I'm nervous. Our, our, one of our former ministers here, Liz, is here today. What a nice gift to see you. Um, today I'm going to talk about something that I believe to the core of my being. And that is one simple idea. Love is really the answer to everything. And I know from, from my life, when I've been able to actually master that in any degree of modicum of grace that things have gone really well if I can show up as a loving person. So God has imparted our life to us, placing no limitation or condition that would restrict us other than this. Our life must be lived constructively in unity and love and sympathy with everything around us if we expect to live it to the fullest. I believe that every person is born to be creative and to live to the fullest, and to be happy and glad and prosperous and whole. Ernest Holmes said that. And that really resonated with me. So today I want to explore the notion um, that I've had as far back as I can remember, that love truly is the answer to everything. And I realize that that sounds super simple and somewhat trite. But my experience, as I just said, has been to see the power of love to shift untenable relationships, situations, experiences in a way that's miraculous. I've seen it build bridges, I've seen it heal hearts, and it's changed my world when I've participated as a, a loving person. And I believe that if it can do that in my life, that it can do that, this in the entire world for all of us. I love this directive from God as explained by Ernest Holmes, that we live constructively in unity and love and sympathy with everything around us. Well, Jesus taught us this, to love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. This guidance, come, this guidance comes in one form or another from every single spiritual path that I have ever explored. And when you really distill it down, what did we all learn in grade school? The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So this is a tenet that's been around forever and has been expressed everywhere. So this idea of uniting in love and unity and sympathy brings us back to this basic notion that there's really only one of us here, that everything and everyone is connected. So the most common denominator that draws us together isn't our vocation, it isn't our family, it isn't our heritage, our race, it's love. That's the one thing that we're all made of, that connects all of us. And it's a very powerful thing. Now to me it seems very natural that this emotion is the glue that holds us all together. And not only our relationships and our families, but our communities and, in essence, the world. So Lao Tzu, John's going to change the slide, tells us that being deeply loved by someone gives us strength, while loving someone deeply gives us courage. So 
this rings very true for me, because isn't it true that when um, we have a desire to pursue something and we have the support of people that love us, that it makes it a little easier for us? I know, for me, having a husband who loves me dearly and who shares a lot of the same visions and desires for the world with me, having him in my life and sharing that and loving me helps me have the courage and the strength to move forward to be the change that I want to see, to show up as love. And my love for him creates an anchor for both of us. Having my circle of friends that love me and that share my vision gives me strength. And, and I've seen that even people who don't have their someone that loves them or someone that they love, they can find that in community with other people. I mean, I've seen such amazing things happen. I, I, I do a women's circle monthly through an organization called Gather the Women. And the community that has grown from bringing the, these wonderful spirits together, the wisdom that's shared, the support that shows up has just been so amazing to me. So having this love gives us strength and courage on our journeys. So Mother Teresa taught us to spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Think about that. Can we be someone and show up in situations that our presence brought something of value? Our presence made whatever that interaction better, happier, more whole, maybe more peaceful? She consistently showed up as love. She chose love over fear every time, and I love Meg's choice for the reading. It, of course, worked perfectly with what I want to share this morning. She, she, know, she knew that fear can contract us while love can expand us, and that what she created in life was what she was willing to be in life. And in her case, I believe that that woman showed up pretty consistently as unconditional love. One little person that moved mountains. So it can be a challenge sometimes, and I believe that how she lived is something that can be learned. It's our fear and resistance to putting love into action that holds us back. I, I know it's held me back. Some people we encounter may, for whatever their reason, be resistant to our loving actions toward them. And when that happens, it can be discouraging for us, it can, it can make us sad, and it can sometimes make us want to give up. But I think in situations where we've showed up at the highest and best that we can be that didn't work out well. We need to be able to bless the situation, let it go, and move on, trusting that there will be another opportunity that we can show up just as powerfully, and it'll go the way love can go. So the more I have embraced knowing 
in my core that love can be an answer in every situation, it's become easier and easier for me to love without restraint. And I, I know some of you know me well enough to know that I have been pummeled in my life by loving without restraint. But I'm incapable, now that I know the power of it, I'm incapable of not continuing on that path. I have to show up to the best of my ability as love. So instead of judging people um, for, you know, maybe not being super open to us, and also another thing that kind of comes up for me is um, that there's going to be people that aren't going to be able to embrace us. And, I, and I'm not suggesting that we, that we show up as this overzealous puppy and lick everybody's face, because that's going to put some people off a little bit. But if we can just show up kindly and in a loving way, it can help. And, I, and I've learned to kind of drop the judgment thing, which is really hard. I mean, I don't, I don't get it right more than maybe 40% of the time, some days 60. But instead of judging that customer who's in line with you that's being a little testy with the checker, instead of judging them that they're a jerk, maybe we can remember that sometimes we have, some days we have bad days too. And sometimes we're so preoccupied with something that we're not even aware of how impatient we're being with someone. Sometimes we brush up against people that are barely coping with whatever's going on in their lives. I know I've been that person. When I was taking care of my mother who had Alzheimer's, there were days, hours, weeks, months, probably years, that I was in a complete daze. It was my own very special kind of hell. Patience and compassion are two of the precious things that I developed through this experience of parenting my parent. Because my former sweet, mellow mom turned into an angry, obstinate, impossible, belligerent handful. And honestly, they're still talking about my mother at the care place that she lived. She was the worst resident we've ever had. Yeah, she was special, <laughs> really special. So the experience of running interference for this and protecting her and protecting her caregivers from her, it broke my heart completely wide open. And how could I expect a staff who didn't know my mother before the disease to even fathom that she had been this reasonable kind and loving person when she had morphed into what she had morphed into. The that's it's a horrible disease. So I remember looking back and remembering, or actually kind of realizing that I had been in this bubble, this kind of unreal, I'm just barely coping bubble. But you know, when you're in it, you don't know you're in it. So we as humans have good days and bad days. It's all part of the human experience. And I have to admit that the experience of, of going through that with her grew me in ways um, that nothing else could have. And I have a great deal of respect and gratitude for that experience now. 
and that I did it with whatever modicum of grace I managed. Um, I think it grew me into a much more sympathetic, empathetic, compassionate person. And I remember kind of afterwards when I'd see somebody being testy, my immediate go-to excuse for that person was, maybe one of their parents has Alzheimer's. Maybe their husband has Alzheimer's. Maybe somebody near them is really sick and really hard to handle. You know, and that allowed me to, to just let someone else be in their own personal hell and to make it okay for them, to forgive them in that moment. And to be kind, because when we're kind, maybe we can help them remember that there's a place other than that hell. So out of all the venues that I played over my 45-year career, the one I loved the most changed owners after the first season that I performed there. And uh, I was doing really, really well, um, bringing in a lot of business. I loved, I loved the venue. I loved um, everything about it. It was like a gig made for me. Sadly, the new owner's wife um, had some mental health issues, and she decided that uh, she didn't like me, and she did her best, and boy, I could tell you some stories, to make that gig a living hell for me. So, of course, my reaction was to try harder and bring in more business and do better and be as wonderful as I could and have everybody love me. And um, eventually that got me uh, fired. In spite of increased revenue and in spite of being really well-liked by the staff and the customers, it was a real turning point in my life. Ended up being a gift in the long run, I will say, but at the time it was, seemed to be completely catastrophic. At some point, um, I was so mortified. We, I, this was a town of 2,000 people. The town I lived in outside of that town was 350 people. This was a uh, national, national historic landmark. I was terrified of running into anyone in town that knew me from this venue, and I was super terrified of running into the owner, to this woman. And at some point, I finally had what I call an epiphonic moment, which is actually an epiphany. And I decided that I had to choose to forgive her. Enough things had happened to other staff there that I was very clear that what happened to me didn't really have anything or very much to do with me. That this person had some real serious issues. And I felt so sorry for all of us who had been abused and for her. So I consciously chose to um, forgive the hateful treatment and work on what my part of what went wrong in that might have been. And I asked for guidance that if I ever crossed paths with her, that I would have the right words, that I would somehow know, no matter if it was at the grocery store or wherever, that I would know what to do and that I would do the right thing. And it was probably about two years later, I was hired to play for in a local event. There she was. And as she came walking toward me, I just opened my arms and I smiled. And my background singer, who had known the hell I had gone through, 
in this relationship and how it had basically, losing that gig had turned my life upside down. She was like right there, right next to me, ready to just punch her if she did something. And this woman fell into my arms and whispered into my ear, I'm so sorry, that was an awful time for me. And I said, I'm so sorry too. And we both cried. It was such a life-changing thing for me because she could have just pushed me away. But for some reason, I was able to just open up. And I'm sure it was because I had consciously chosen to, to forgive her, to move on. So it could have turned out not so good. And I don't think I was attached to how it turned out. I just wanted to show up as best as I could. So how incredible is this power of unconditional love and forgiveness? I learned such a powerful, such a powerful lesson from that experience. So I'm thinking that years later, having been through that probably helped me a lot in coping with my mom. So sometimes when we're in that hell, we just have to trust that we're going to be given a gift or a deeper understanding or something. And in my case, my heart got broken wide open. So I'm going to go and sing a song about that, and I'd like you all to read that together. The roomy sea all together. Think about that.
I invite you to read the next slide while I go back over there. Let us bloom like flowers. I love the visual on that. Blooming into an open heart. So every time I look at a flower, I'm going to be reminded that that's something that I can do. Maybe you can do that little practice with me. Now, my experience is that it's a pro slow process to get there. Lots of fits and starts along the way. I've certainly experienced having my heart broken wide open many, many times. And it's important to accept that we will miss the mark as we work to emulate the kind of unconditional love that the people that we look up to, the Martin Luther Kings, the uh, Gandhis, the Jesus, they didn't get there overnight either. It took them a while to figure it out. So the Buddha teaches, that's a, that you can search through the entire universe for someone who is more deserving of your love than you are yourself. And that person is not to be found anywhere. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Now think about that for a second. I know I have always had the tendency to look outside of myself for validation, for love, for support. But we all need to master some semblance of self-love to really be effective. I certainly don't have it down completely. I mean, am I the only person here who has experienced periods of self-loathing? Anybody but me? Good, I'm glad I'm not alone. Not that it's good, but it's a human condition. I get so frustrated because I can't always get it right. I can't always show up the way that I want to. But when we look to those that we look to for guidance, and if we read about any of their history, any of their background, we recognize that they didn't get there overnight, that they had their dark night of the soul. They had their challenges. So it seems that all of them, while they were working toward this goal of unconditional love and kind of showing up as love, they had times um, that it was impossible. But they had a reverence for the world as one connected unit. They understood that we need each other and that there really is only one of us here, that we're, we and the planet are all in, in, interconnected. Mother Teresa said it beautifully. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. That's so beautiful. It's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. What a powerful reminder. So the next slide is Martin Luther King, and I'm sure all of you have seen this. But every time I read this, it's just as powerful as the first time. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Let's, let's read that together. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. What a great affirmation. 
I look to him and others for inspiration. Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, they're all honored. We're in the season for peace and nonviolence right now for the AGNT, which is an umbrella organization for a lot of the New Thought community. And they honor these great leaders. I mean, look at what the Dalai Lama went through. Look what Gandhi went through. They lost everything and had to start over from scratch. I'm so moved by Nelson Mandela. I read a lot about him when he was added to part of the season for peace. He started out as a pretty violent activist and he ended up in jail. But in his incarceration, he made a conscious decision to be respectful and loving and treat his captors as kindly as he could muster. And when he left, he made a commitment to never look back. Look at what that kind of commitment did. He changed the world when he was done serving his time. And I just can't imagine the capacity to forgive such incredible wrong. The Dalai Lama, if you've ever watched him, this man lives in this state of peaceful love. And look at what he went through. Look at what Martin Luther King went through. They all made a conscious decision to just let it go and move on and continue to work toward bringing people together. It's so inspiring how powerful our human capacity to love and forgive is. Our capacity to meet tragedy with understanding and acceptance and compassion. Years ago, I was doing music. It was probably one of the very first New Thought churches I did. It was a Michelle Whittington's church in, um, in Arizona. And she gave as part of her talk a practice that so resonated with me. It's something that I have adopted and carried with me, and I want to share it with you this morning. And I don't re even remember what exactly the, um, her example was that morning, but it was when you're in a situation that's starting to go south, ask yourself, what would love do here? What would love do here? And then do it. Not always so easy. But even stopping before things heat up and asking for guidance, asking what, what might I do or how might I act or how, what energy might I just hold in this situation, what would love do here? Letting go of our agendas and focusing on being loving in the moment without being attached to the outcome. And that's a big one, the not being attached to the outcome. We can show up the highest and best. We can do everything right, whatever that is, and things can still not work out. But when we walk away from situations that didn't have the miracle, we can trust that, that there still was a miracle that somebody picked up that energy of love. 
using that practice has helped me in so many situations, so many situations. It's just been amazing. Sometimes just simply being supportive, not taking our own desire for a specific outcome into a situation, that can be the most powerful thing, to just show up and be kind. I mean, I have all these little simple practices that I have done for decades. And because I have done them for dec decades, they are just completely natural to me. As a child, I used to smile at strangers, and my mother used to be so worried, and this was before very many child abductions, but it made her so uncomfortable that her little child was just so friendly and so loving. I mean, that's just how I came in. And yet I didn't see anything wrong with that. I can remember my mother saying, you know, don't trust anybody until they've earned your trust. I, that never would have worked in my life. I'm in the music business. <laughs> you know, you just have to, like, take that leap of faith sometimes. Showing up and just being kind. Letting people go in front of me in line. I just did it on the way. I just was in L.A. last week, and I drove up, and I stopped. And there was a woman who had one item in line behind me. And I said, you know, why don't you go in front of me? And she just went, oh, God, that was so nice of you. No one's ever done that for me. And I'm thinking, seriously? I do that for people all the time. And then when I thought about it, people don't do that that often for me, even if I have my little two items and they have a basket full. And then I went back to remembering when I was in the bubble, when I was a jerk. I probably was so focused on just getting through that moment and getting out of that store. You know what? Mute the, my track. There you go. I'll check it when I go over there. It's the little goblins. It's fine. They're just messing with us this morning. There, I'm sure there were times when I had 500 items and there was somebody behind me in line with two. And I didn't even know that there was another person in line. How many of you have ever... Um, merged right on top of somebody because you didn't even have a clue that the lane you were in was ending. I mean, I'm mortified when I do that. I'm still that person sometimes. But it's learning to, to figure out what practices are within your comfort zone. Smiling at strangers, maybe. Just getting a door for someone. All these things are so automatic for me. Paying a stranger a compliment. Has that ever happened to you? When you like, just feel like you look like you just got dragged backwards through a knothole and somebody tells you how nice you look? I mean, it can totally change your whole day, and it's so tiny, and yet can be so huge. And I know that I've been in a real funk because of the energy that's kind of going on right now. There's just so much vitriol, so much dissension, so huge a lack of coherent un the underst understanding that, that we're all connected, that there's only one of us here. My entire 45 years as a musician has been to write music and share music that brings people together. So this is a very hard time for me. And some days I am so discouraged that I haven't written a song like We Are the World. Remember how that song shifted everything energetically? 
And at my circle yesterday with my women, I kind of expressed that I just really, I wanted to get my music to a bigger platform because I just, I, I mean, people, when they hear what I do, they say, oh God, these messages need to be in the world and I want these messages in the world so badly, not because I want to be a big star, but because I want the message of love and acceptance and kindness and compassion and unity to be a part of everyone's consciousness, everyone's vocabulary. And I was so down that I started to cry because I'm so frustrated. I was on sabbatical all last year because I had vocal issues, probably partly brought on by my deep desire to speak out and to change things and my inability to even get grounded and centered enough to even try. And one of the women in my circle reminded me of something that I want to remind all of you of this morning. And that is that getting that door for that stranger or letting somebody merge or paying someone you don't even know a compliment, offering someone a hug in line in the store who you can tell is having a bad day. Those little teeny things are these little drops of water. That's what the first song I did today about being an angel. That's how I want to show up. And I know in all of our hearts, that's what we want. We want to be the love that can change things. And we never know what our little teeny action is. I know that that woman in line behind me on the way back from LA will have a consciousness to let the person in line behind her go. And if she does that, and somebody else learns that, I mean, just these little teeny actions can grow exponentially and become a huge ripple. And we just have to remember, Mother Teresa was one little person that changed the world. So was Martin Luther King. So was Gandhi. We don't have to do it at that level, but we can certainly do it at whatever level we're comfortable in, whatever circles we travel in. We're all just little ripples of kindness. So I want to encourage all of you to keep your hearts open, to not let the fear and the vitriol and whatever is coming up, to just hang on to the peace and the knowing, the absolute knowing that love is the answer, that love is so much more powerful than fear, than fear. And that we're all, that's what we're made of. We're extensions of the greatest love there ever was. And to never lose sight of that. And to surround ourselves with people that can remind us of that. And when we see people forgetting that, we need to remind them. That's, that's why we're here. We can and we do make a difference. So I'm going to do one more song, and I want to, before I go over there, I want to thank you so much for having me here. I hope I brought something of value to you this morning, and I'm just so glad you're here because I, I feel like I'm with my family and that we're going to go forward. And, you know, I just picture a little glitter, a little fairy dust that we go out and. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to invite everyone to Carrie Gets Medicare party this summer <laughs> on August 1st at my house. If you want information, sign up on my e-list. We do a house concert and a party, but 
Thank you so much. I think I'm in a time warp. I just refuse to grow up. <laughs> so let's, um, can you go to the next slide? It's, um, it's that one. Let's read that together. kind of been in computer tech nuts? You know, I, I'm not so sure I believe in Mercury retrograde except when it seems to be happening. I, to, my husband needs to replace his computer. My, one of my clients, hers just blew up and this doesn't. My stuff works. Are we unmuted? <gasps> We're working. Life is good. This was written by a dear friend of mine, Harold Payne. the message in this song. I hope you'll carry it with you. We read the paper and we watch the news in quiet desperation. It's easy to feel helpless, throw up our hands and say there's nothing we can do. That we can, yes we can. 